0: These are some of the films I haven't chosen, but I did absolutely adore this year, and I just bumped them. And they're all three very big commercial releases. Uh, 22 Jump Street, I thought, was probably the most I laughed at a movie this year. I didn't like 21 Jump Street at all. I thought it was a really flat comedy. But I think the uh, chemistry between Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill was exceptional. Ice Cube finally got a decent role. Another one, The Lego Movie, which was also brilliant, a wonderful film, uh, very dazzling and hard to watch at first. But once you get locked into it, it's sort of a hyperkinetic kaleidoscope world. It was a wonderful movie. And the other one was Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which was terrific, Um, reminded me far less of the very sour, dour uh, modern Avengers movies then it did a stuff like Razor's Lost Ark or Back to the Future or even Star Wars which it was extremely indebted to but both of those last two films The Lego Movie and Guardian, starring Chris Pat- Pratt who was uh, in some ways everywhere this year so those three films I haven't picked but I did love uh, uh, oh a brief break now you're with Julian on the Brown Note doing my top 15 albums of the year and top 10 films of the year but these are the worst films I saw this year Um, I always read out the ones that disappointed me. They're not actually the worst films of the year because I generally try and avoid films that are that bad. So these are the films that really disappointed me this year. Number eight, Need for Speed. I'm a big, big Breaking Bad fan. Would love to see Aaron Paul, who played Jesse, go on to be a big movie star. He's a great actor. He was way too intense for this and got called a serial killer, but he was still the best thing about it. It was his attempt at uh, launching a fast and furious franchise but it was a terribly made film it had absolutely no story and the characters were garbage Imogen Poots is a gorgeous woman and was great in a couple of films I've seen her in but her character in this was dire it was like someone wrote a different character every scene she was in uh, and outside of that there was not really much going on no story at all number seven, seven uh, million ways to die in the west which was Seth Rogen's vanity western project. If it had just been crass humour all the way through, I reckon it would have worked, but there was just way too much story. And given the relationships between the characters, particularly him and Charlize Theron in their love triangle, which wasn't really a love triangle, it was more of just people sitting next to each other for the movie, it went on far too long. It was funny at times, but... He seemed to focus so much more on what was a really bland story. Uh, number six, a movie I haven't seen because I've tried twice and it's so bad I've turned it off both times, which is the Johnny Depp sci-fi film Transcendence. Number five was uh, The Captive, which didn't get much play and was actually embarrassingly entered into the Palm d'Or competition at Cannes. It's by a, I think, Turkish director, and Atam Egoyan who's made numerous very acclaimed films over the years. Uh, and this one was about a girl that goes missing from her dad's car uh, for years and years and years and follows Ryan Reynolds uh, and Rosario Dawson, who are perfectly fine as the parents. Um, but it's just a very badly made film. It's kind of queasy, the uh, the paedophilia in it, uh, where there's a sex ring and it, it's all a bit... It doesn't sit right. None of it sits right at all. And Scott Speedyman is a cop in it who is gives possibly the worst performance of the year. All he does is berate the father every time he's on screen and almost get into a fist fight with him. It's a joke, and it comes across more like a Laura uh, an SVU episode. Number four, I have not been a fan of the Spider Man movies. I hate Tobey Maguire, and I hated his relationship with Kristen Dunst. And I actually warmed to the first Andrew Garfield one. I loved Emma Stone in it. Um, it was a very average film, but I actually thought it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air. But The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was dire. It was hard to watch because the plot was just all over the shop. It didn't have a story that made sense. It seemed like several different stories merged together. And their relationship actually became more annoying than the Tobey Maguire Kirsten Dunst. And number three in my worst films of the year, Expendables 3, are normally the kind of film I would give a pass to because I love all the people in it and I love the subject matter. But Sly Stallone really bummed out with this one. The dialogue is atrocious. I don't think Jason Statham says a single thing in this movie which isn't a wisecrack. Um, Mel Gibson made a great turn in it, he was by far the best actor in it, by miles, everyone else was awful, and it was a really bad film as well. And number two, a film I think I tried to watch several times, Transformers uh, 4 Age of Extinction, which replaced, um, I can't even remember what his name is, anyway, Mark Wahlberg stepped into the hot seat, got a lot of time for Mark Wahlberg. Um, I watched it several times because I kept forgetting I was watching it. It's such a bad film. It's so disjointed that you never actually understand what the motivation for anything that happens in it is. It seems some Transformers are fighting other Transformers for some reason, and people are involved as well for some reason. It's very, very long, it clocks way past two and a half hours. You could have fit the whole story into probably about 25 minutes, it's terrible. And at number one, uh, not a big budget film, so not a disappointing film as such, but just the film I've watched this year that is hands down the worst, and that's The Prince, which you probably haven't heard of because it bombed massively. The cover of it shows Bruce Willis and John Cusack, two people I've got a lot of time for, in an action gangster thriller. Neither of them is really in the movie. Uh, I think one of them is in the movie for maybe ten minutes, And the rest of the film is Jason Patrick, who has been good in films before. He has actually got a decent presence, but in this film, it's the most ineptly made film I've watched this year. Uh, Nothing adds up, nothing makes sense, you can't follow it, and it's just gibberish. And obviously they've put the two biggest name actors on the box to try and make you think that they're actually in the film a lot more than they are. So that's my number one worst movie of the year, which is uh, The Prince. Now, back on, we've got at number 10, a movie I saw last night, and it was Torture. Uh, I started watching it too late, and it's a very long film. It's uh, one of the most acclaimed releases this year, and it's also one of the most talked about because of the conceit of the premise, which is that it was filmed over an 11-year period using the same actors, uh, and you get to see them age naturally. Which itself works brilliantly. It's a very unusual feeling watching people age naturally on screen, and particularly as Patricia Arquette changes so much over the course of the movie. It's Richard Linklater's Boyhood, which uh, stars Ethan Hawke and Ella Coltrane and Lorelei Linklater, I'm assuming his daughter, um, who's the two kids, uh, Coltrane and Linklater, start off uh, around the age of five and go into their well, up to the college years, virtually, and it just follows them um, piece by piece. Ethan Hawke's a dad, but he's never with Patricia Arquette, who goes through a couple of marriages throughout the film. Um, it's got enormous parades and people saying it's going to win Best Picture Oscar. I actually don't. I actually think I haven't seen either film, Foxcatcher or Birdman, but I think they're going to dominate the Oscars this year and the acting and the best picture and everything else i'm not so sure boyhood will it may well do for patricia arquette who has the award-worthy performance of the movie everyone in it's good where it's flawed though is it's got no narrative focus and crucially no character focus i love the fact that they didn't base it around story or big moments that changed everyone's lives too much and it was more day-to-day ephemera but there was still no real focus on the characters And if there was focus on one of them, it was on the boy, and he was by far the most boring character. He only really started talking towards the end of the movie. Um, So you spend a lot of time with him, whereas Patricia Arquette owns the film. It's a magnificent performance, and she goes through all of the story elements on her own virtually. Um, Ethan Hawke is always reliable and has starred in, I don't know how many Richard Linklater movies, all of the before sunset sunrise midnight films um you may have even been in dazed and confused way back in the day i don't know um it is a a unique film and it deserves the applause it's got for its uniqueness and for the conceit of it and it also is a very powerful and moving film but because it doesn't really have any direction it's nearly three hours it is a very very long slog Um, beautifully made beautifully shot great film um, but hard work. I'm glad I didn't see it in the cinema. At number 11, at number 9, a film that virtually no one saw this year, um, another wonderful performance by Jake Gyllenhaal, whose turns in just great performances, left, right and centre. Uh, this one went missing, unfortunately. It's a Canadian-Spanish film called, en- excuse me, it's a Canadian-Spanish film called Enemy, one of two films released with virtually the same title and very similar themes this year it's the only film i can think of in modern memory where i've actually finished watching it and then watched a half hour explanation of what just happened on youtube and it ended up being a far simpler film than i expected it to be jake gyllenhaal stars as a maths teacher and he watches a film one day that someone recommends to him and sees a person acting in the film that is exactly the same as him exactly in every way and he hunts down this individual and meets with him and he is absolutely exactly the same as him and both of them are shocked and stunned and don't understand what's going on and it follows on from there both following both characters lives both characters have got uh either new girlfriends or, or wives uh, one of their wives is pregnant the uh, the math teacher jake both uh roles are played by jake Gill- G- gillenhall obviously um there's not a lot you can say about it that wouldn't give away everything about it, but even if you watch it, it's unlikely that you would get everything about it, and it contains one of the most amazingly strange final shots I've ever seen in a film. I loved it. I thought it was, if it can provoke me enough to need to know what it was about, and I couldn't quite unravel it, even though it is actually much simpler than it looks. Um, it was directed by Javier, oh, sorry, the Denis Villeneuve and the screenplay by Javier Goulon, Didn't get the acclaim it deserved. At number nine, my film Enemy. And it also had Isabella Rossellini in it as well, doing a fast enough job. Now, I mentioned before how I was disappointed with how liberated I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy. And that that was uh, such a blast of fun and fresh air after the heaviness of the Marvel movies. And the Marvel movies started off really good, and they went through a bad patch. I actually can't stand the last two Iron Man movies. And the Thor movie, uh, the second one, The Dark World, was terrible, which was a shame, as all the cast in it were really likeable. But uh, probably the most heavy and serious of all of them uh, came out this year, which was the second Captain America movie. Uh, Chris Evans, looking through my list of top ten movies, it's amazing the duplication of actors and actresses. One person appears in three films, and I think several appear in two. Uh, Chris Evans is one that appears in two films on the list. Uh, He's um, Captain America again, and the reason I loved it is it had the most jaw-dropping storyline of any of the Avengers movies. Even though they've built up this universe which is all built around S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything else, the storyline of The Winter Soldier actually completely trashed everything that they would built up and i love that it was a surprising story it went to surprising lengths it didn't quite get to the end it was a bit gung-ho by the end but for most of it, it was a great thriller uh, samuel jackson was great in it scarlett johansson who does appear in quite a few of the movies on this list and who has had the most amazing year she's appeared in four excellent films well four brilliant performances Uh, this year and I won't go into all of them as uh, they're coming up (laughs) Um, she was great she was an annoyance and got picked on in the other Marvel movies because her character was superfluous and wasn't really defined but I thought she was great alongside Chris Evans in this Evans continues to be uh, to grow as one of the most likeable uh, action movie stars out there. Uh, and it was just an all-round great... And Robert Redfield was great in it as well. He turned up and was wonderful and brought a hell of a lot of villainous class to the whole proceedings. So a great story, uh, brilliant visually, um, not quite all the way to the end. If I was to say, I think the first Iron Man movie is probably the hands-down best of all of the Avengers movie, and maybe the group one, the Avengers... Uh, but this would be in the top three of those films so my number eight movie is captain america the winter soldier my number nine album number seven film was probably my most surprising film of the year even including enemy which is i just completely got it wrong it was an australian sci-fi film by the Spearig brothers and ethan hawke may have a, a relationship with um richard linklater's movies but also with these guys he's appeared in a few of their films as well um it bombed. It's done about 800,000 at the box office, and yet it's probably my second best sci fi movie of the year. Um, it stars Ethan Hawke as a guy that uh, travels through time uh, over a very narrow range trying to stop crimes happening. Itself not that wild uh, an imaginative setup. But from then on, things are imaginative. If you look at the cover, I expected to be watching The Matrix and what i got was a guy working in a bar another guy comes in and tells him this like 40 minute long shaggy dog story and it's it is an incredible shaggy dog story it's an amazing story and from that point on the the sci-fi elements come into play and the story itself comes into play and it is one of those films which um juts around in time and rearranges things so you're constantly backtracking over what you've know the story to be and how what you've just seen all these revelations happen um after the shaggy dog story it's just revelation after revelation and it's very mind-bending um it's such an intricate plot it's the kind of movie you want to watch over and over to see if they did fall down anywhere um ethan hawke's really good in everything he's in but this is a star making performance by sarah snook the australian actress i hope she gets some award nominations for this because she deserves it Um, Possibly not given the lack of attention the film has got, but it is coming out in America in January, so maybe it'll get a second life after end-of-year lists. Um, It's a surprising film. It's got a great performance by Sarah Snook. Unfortunately, like another performance, I can't really go into her performance too much as it just gives away an enormous amount of the movie but it's got the most mind-bending story of the year, and I found it really surprising and enthralling, and I never knew from one bit to another, up until close to the end, where it was going. So, Predestination, Australian film, uh, number seven. I saw some good Aussie films this year. I loved The Rover even though it wasn't perfect i thought it was a the best guy P- pierce performance for a, a long time so at number seven predestination hopefully once that gets a full american release hopefully in january they'll all get the kudos it deserves a great film very yeah, that track winter lin now uh, earlier in the year another film that didn't get the attention it deserved and came out in march in indonesia and it's a rarity an indonesian film with a british director and it's a sequel to a brilliant film that came out a couple of years ago called *The Raid*, uh, which played out like a video game. It was a guy going into an, a cop going into an apartment building, and it was the apartment building was the um, the base of a very powerful criminal organization. And he basically led his team of police upstairs and round the corners and into each room and so on. And it did play out like a video game. It was a terrific thriller. Well, they released *The Raid* two uh, again, directed by Gareth Evans and starring Iko Uwe, who was the star of the original film. Now, if the first one was a roller coaster ride, this one clocked in, I think, around two and a half hours long, and it needs it. It's completely different to the original. It didn't get quite the level of acclaim, but it deserved more acclaim. It's got a very, very convoluted, long story in it. I would say it's the best gangster film I've seen of the year as well. It's all these different elements of all these different branches of an organised crime family and the police all playing off against each other over the course of its running time and it's probably got four or five of the best choreographed fight sequences i've ever seen they're amazing um, it's probably the best action film i've seen this year probably the best gangster film i've seen this year and it really really does deserve a lot more credit than it's got so the raid 2 is my number six film of the year i'm doing alright time wise i think i'm halfway through the show for seven Now, one director probably more malleable than any other director working, a lot of the big-name directors now, like Christopher Nolan, Paul Thomas Anderson, have a very distinctive sort of style, and you can always kind of tell it's one of their films, but David Fincher tends to move, sometimes for better or worse, with each project. It's often um, hard to actually realise. I don't think I would have probably guessed he directed this film, um, because it's quite an ordinary sort of take in some regards. It's the film *Gone Girl*, and it came out uh, a little while ago, so October in the States. And it was uh, starring Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. And it stars. Uh, it's based on a novel by Gillian Flynn, who also wrote the excellent screenplay. And it concerns him being the perfect husband, and his wife going missing from their family home and then all hell breaks loose the media get involved she's america's sweetheart and it becomes very apparent that their marriage was far from rosy. and the media beat everything up and things look very very dark you can't go into too much more of the story without giving away a lot of it and i mentioned that there was a, a another actor whose performance is so amazing but you can't really talk too much about it without giving away the film And that's rosamund pike who I fully expect to be nominated for every acting Best Actress award. I feel sorry for Ben Affleck because he's never been this good. He's been brilliant in a few things recently, but this is his best performance by Miles. He's so well cast in a movie where he has to be this preppy, you know, future president sort of character, but as soon as you start peeling it away, everything goes to pot. I think he's done quite a few roles, and all of his best ones have been where he's been that character's state of play where he played a, a a would-be senator who had this terrible behind-the-scenes life and even changing lanes i think they're his best performances but this is his best one Ros- rosamund pike as his wife is astonishing uh, a lot of the movies sort of flits between um their previous life together and a lot of it is I, I think the best review i saw of this is it's almost a movie about stories it's almost not a movie about characters and they're almost not real characters A lot of what happens to them and their relationship is based around uh, mistrust and hate and uh, economic woes and how that pressures a relationship. A lot of really relevant stuff to a lot of relationships and the very complex dynamic between the husband and wife. But it's also very much about the news and the media and the way that the media grabs hold of things and rips them to shreds and promotes lies or promotes easy narratives uh, when they may not necessarily be true it's a very clever film and I, I was speaking to Kath about this film and she, uh, she said the ending ruined it it's got a very controversial ending um, I actually thought that made it I actually really liked um, I didn't I didn't watch this film expect uh, thinking that it was a realistic film and that's why I didn't really think that i was necessarily had to be in bed with everything being realistic i felt like it was more like a a very very straight face satire and a very acidic one as well it's an uncomfortable film to watch Uh, so gone girl with absolutely spectacular performances by rosamund pike and ben affleck in the lead great direction great screenplay it's my number five film now my number four film of the year is hugely relatable to gone girl which given the fact that they sound on paper so different it's nightcrawler directed by dan gilroy and another appearance in this list by jake gyllenhaal Um, he will i reckon get a lot of awards nominations but probably be beaten out by either michael keaton or um from birdman or i reckon steve carroll is a lock for best actor but jake gyllenhaal should get a fair amount of nominations for this he stars as a bit of a psychopath living very much on the margins of LA society who discovers uh, what these night crawlers are roaming the city looking for car crashes and shootings and if they get there first and get the video footage they can sell them to TV networks. So instead of ripping off local businesses and trying to sell corrugated iron he gets himself a small camera and starts chasing around and a police scanner and starts chasing around these things. And he takes it to Rene Russo, who's brilliant in this film, um, who's a TV executive producer, but one that's on her last legs, one who's old, and one who has very little time left on the current contract she's on, and it's obviously a dog-eat-dog world. Well, because uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is very much close to being a sociopath, he's actually prepared to go a lot further than anyone else in getting footage, so he ends up becoming quite a big noise because he's able to get these very uncomfortable f- films of accidents and people dying and being shot. and in, Its relationship with Gongale Girl, to me, was the one about the uncomfortableness of the news media and the public as well. What the public want and what the news media give us, almost like this snake eating itself. And I think it was probably the most uncomfortable film I've watched this year. Not necessarily for what happens on screen, but for how it makes you feel about the news you want to see and the news you watch. Uh, It's a pretty bleak picture. There's not a lot of light in it. Jake Gyllenhaal's brilliant. He creates this almost amiably goofy psychopath. Um, He's actually quite good fun to be around, but at the same time, you would not want to cross him. Um, He ends up becoming quite wealthy and takes on a sidekick, uh, and it sort of morphs into the arena where... Are we just recording the news or are we actually going to help create the news and help mould it? And it does make you wonder about what the public want from their media and also what the media is prepared to give us, which is a pretty dirty object. Um, It's a terrific film. It's got Bill Paxton, who I'm happy to see in a decent movie for a change. Uh, It's very well directed. It's got a great atmosphere. Virtually everything's at night. Um, and everything feels so lonely and lost and horrible. Uh, Nightcrawler, uh, definitely another awards-worthy movie. Uh, That's my number four film of the year. And we're into my top three films of the year. Now, Jonathan Glazer is a very interesting director. He hasn't quite hit motherlode with films before, nearly. He's uh, directed some of the most iconic music videos, so uh, Street Spirit by Radiohead, uh, the Jamaica ones, Cosmic Girl and Virtue Insanity, which were really, really prominent. Karma Police by Radiohead. Uh, Karma Coma by Massive Attack. And he did this film, an excellent film, starring, Way Rince, Ray, Way Rinceton, <laughs> uh, starring Ray Winston in the year 2000, called Sexy Beast, which uh, was really, really good. And then he made another film called Birth. Uh, which I haven't seen but was very, very controversial starring Nic- uh, Nicole Kidman and didn't get very good reviews. Um, but he came back in the middle of last year with one of the year's oddest arthouse triumphs, which is Under the Skin, again featuring Scarlett Johansson, who had the most banner year of any actor this year. Um, it's a virtually silent film and not much in the way of story happens. She's in a van, she drives around Scotland, she seduces men... And something bad happens to those men. Now, if you know what the story of the novel is that it's based on, which is by Michael Faber, you understand that she is an alien and that she is inhabiting human form and that she is harvesting humans for meat. It doesn't explicitly follow that in the movie. It's a much more abstract sort of story. It's about moods and moments. And also about Scarlett Johansson approximating humanity. She regards people and the way they talk and what they say and what they talk about and their relationships. And she seems to be wondering whether they should be harvesting these people who seem to have real lives and real personalities. It's very austere. Um, not a lot in the way of story happens. Some of the imagery is dazzling. Some uh, When she takes one guy back to her house and they sort of disappear into this other dimension, it's breathtaking to watch. I loved it. A lot of people won't. Uh, I found it a profound film. Uh, I found it a challenging film and an interesting one. I wasn't bored by it at all. Um, she, it's really her film. She um, she doesn't really have a lot of other people to bounce off. And she's courageous in it. She starts the film completely naked, like completely naked, and sort of dresses up in 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 human form and in human clothing and and sort of inhabits this fake human person uh, and. Gets deeper and deeper into it as the movie progresses. I loved it. Uh, it's my third best film of the year, which is Under the Skin by Jonathan Glazer, and yet another one with Scarlett Johansson to do. So, my number two film of the year, another one alongside uh, Predestination, a sci fi film that really, really surprised me. Uh, we've had an Indonesian film in the top 10, um, and this is a Korean film. It may be the biggest Korean film ever released, South Korean. Uh, 40 million US budget in Korea for a film outside of the US is astonishing, and it nearly died. Uh, an idiot Harvey Wal- Waldenstein uh, in America uh, bought the rights to it and decided to cut it to pieces. Um, happily, people in Korea had seen it, and Americans had seen it, and they launched a campaign to stop him absolutely butchering this film. And he, initially, he refused, but in the end, he has actually relented, and this film ended up getting a full release over the course of an entire year it came out i think in july uh 2013 and was still being released as late as august <laughs> this year um it's snowpiercer it's another appearance by chris evans who's the star of the show and it's directed by boon joon ho and is a fantastic film um it's stars chris it's a it's a metaphorical sci-fi film and it stars chris evans As a guy in a future where the world, ironically, has been destroyed by human beings trying to deal with climate change, Uh, they end up trying to sow stuff into the clouds to reduce the Earth's temperature, and do such a good job they kill absolutely everything, apart from all these people that are on this very wealthy billionaire, millionaire, trillionaire's train, uh, that crisscrosses the world at vast speeds, and all of the remaining alive people on earth are on this train and it's set up like society which is the majority of people are kept in dire conditions at the back end of the train living on appalling food and being treated by a totalitarian regime in the most abusive and aberrant manner and then as you move through the train you go up to the upper classes who are living on caviar and uh, taking all these weird drugs and Basically, it's the civil unrest fermenting into these guys at the back of the train wanting to destroy this hierarchy and break through all the way through this train, which metaphorically occupies the whole movie as they move from carriage to carriage through this train. It works on uh, so many levels. Um, It's a very strong, very violent action movie with incredible fight sequences and some stunning action. Um, It also works brilliantly as a metaphor for society uh, and the way that we treat people and the environment Um, and also the way that totalitarian regimes behave um, and also the way that uh, people can accept what's happening to them and why they accept what's happening to them. It's a very complex film and it doesn't offer every answer to you. It actually posts more questions than answers, which I found fascinating, particularly towards the end of the movie, and some of the more heroic characters some of the things they reveal and some of the way they behave is fascinating it's got a very strong backup cast two korean actors song kang-ho and what's the other one go our song are a father and daughter who are drug addicts but who are capable of getting them through the various doors along the train it's got you and Bremner from train spotting in it But this standout performance has got to go to Tilda Swinton, who gives the craziest performance of the year and her career. It's an insane performance. She's kind of a cross between Hitler and a very nasty school mom. Um, She's an incredible character. You're half wincing and half laughing at everything she says. It's a brilliant performance. And it also shows up Ed Harris and John Hurt. So it's got a big cast. It's very ambitious visually thematically in every way you wouldn't get this film in any way funded in an American marketplace because the themes are too dark and it doesn't try to resolve them I understand why the American producer wanted to cut it to shreds and wanted to change the ending because none of it plays out for the audience but for the viewer for the discerning viewer it's a brilliant film and one of the most original sci-fis of the year so Snowpiercer uh, is my number two film of the year so only one more film to go. and My top ten films of the year are Ten Boyhood, Enemy at nine, Captain America the Winter Soldier at eight, Predestination at seven, The Ray two at six, Gone Girl at five, Nightcrawler at four, Under the Skin at three, and Snowpiercer at two. And I said the number one choice would be very boring. The other year I chose Cloud Atlas, even though it came out at the start of the year. This year I have to say my favourite film is Her. The Spike Jonze film, which won Best Oscar for its screenplay and was nominated for Best Picture, and stars Joaquin Phoenix and for the third time in my list Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson is very known for her looks. This is a film where you don't see them. Uh, You never see her face, all you hear is her voice. Uh, It was very well publicised when it came out, even though it was a fairly low-key film. It's a sci-fi film of sorts, but it's really much more about human relationships and what quantifies... What What is the physical element of love and what is the mental element and what do we need? He is a guy that's obsessed with his smartphone and his computers. He gets a new artificial uh, operating system for his computer that can learn. And it begins talking to him in Scarlett Johansson's voice and they fall in love. And even though she doesn't physically exist, they end up having a full relationship together. And it is so convincingly done. It's so touching. It's so sweet. It's funny. It's I found a profound film, and I thought the way that it progressed uh, was quite heartbreaking at times, and also very, very uh, moving as well, and it did make me think a lot, and some people have a problem with the way that the film sort of moved away from the initial premise and into a sort of more sort of sci-fi realm, but I didn't, I thought that was probably the most heart-wrenching part of it. Um, I loved it, it did come out in January, and it was a month or so after I did my list last year. I think it is it would have been my best film that came out last year as well. I thought it was fantastic. I don't have I've got a little bit of time. Um, yeah, I just thought it was wonderful. Uh, directed by uh, Spike Jones, another guy like Jonathan Glazer who made his name in, in astonishing music videos. Uh, it's got Amy Adams who is, I think been nominated for five Oscars now. Um, she wasn't for this one she was a bit part player in it Runa Mara Olivia uh, wild uh, but it's really a film about Scarlett Johansson and Whacking Phoenix and it does touch on the future it does touch on the fact that everyone is in their digital world rather than in the real world as well but I found it much more a story about what actually constitutes human connection even though she's not a human if you took away the physical part of her could that still work and the answer is yes and the answer is that most of the relationship is mental is all inside your head all the things you feel are inside your head having something physically there isn't wouldn't compensate for not feeling those things so i thought it was a beautiful film i think it's the best film that's been released over the last two years uh, and it should have won best picture oscar as well um another wonderful performance so i think Jake Gyllenhaal and Joaquin Phoenix, my two favourite male actors uh, at the moment, they seem to do no wrong, and Joaquin Phoenix is in um, a highly regarded detective film that's just about to come out as well, so Her is my number one film of 2014.